When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's time to Take Command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. That is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. And Logan, we have a 53-man roster. Uh, That roster is probably going to change. In fact, it might change by the time this podcast comes out. But we have a 53-man roster. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, congrats to the guys who made it. I know that's like a tough deal for some of those guys. Some of the young guys who made it, congrats big time. Because a lot of people weren't expecting them to make it. So, it's always a cool day for those guys. Always kind of a bummer day for the guys who didn't make it. But, you know, it's so funny. Like when we were reviewing practice squad yesterday, it's like some some of these like really good football players are, are given an opportunity to be around. Like think about when I was playing, it was seven dudes. And if you didn't make the seven dudes, like bye forever. And if you had any type of experience, bye forever. So now at least there's kind of this foster program where you can keep guys around. And guys, the cool thing about the, you know, like the, the, the promotion demotion element of the practice squad is a lot of those guys are going to play football this year for you and get a nice game check. So yeah. I think that's, that's pretty fantastic. And I love the new setup and um, it just it makes cut day a little bit less stressful. I think, you know, for me as an analyst watching it, cause you know, those guys are still going to be around. Yeah, definitely. So for reference, uh, because this is to quote uh, Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera yesterday, a fluid situation. We are recording this Wednesday morning. So we do not know the practice squad yet, although we have a pretty good guess based off who was cut yesterday. But there's always a chance like someone that we expect to come back to the practice squad gets signed to another active roster, and that will kick off a whole firestorm that I will have talked about on the radio by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, So if you want want the firestorm that we don't know about at this time, go listen to the Hoffman Show podcast, uh, which, uh, of course, we do every day on the Team 980 for three whole hours okay but as for what we know 53 man uh defense was which we'll get to is pretty predictable but the offense you get you get a couple of surprises um i think for us that does not include quarterback they do go with just the two um i do think it's an interesting conversation though of like from was good enough that it's not outrageous to suggest that someone else could sign him there is some level of risk in exposing him to waivers so if if he does get signed and someone else wants him to be either their two or their three, but they're they're willing to do the three on the active roster bit, what's the move for Washington? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to kind of uh, basically say to yourself, like, is there a way that we can retain him? Like, is there a way in negotiations that we can find a way to keep him around? A lot of times you can say, oh, you know, a big a big point of negotiation is saying like, oh, I'm making practice squad money. I'd like to make active money and stay. 
And that's something very easy to do. And I've seen that happen multiple, multiple times. Sometimes you can say, oh, you know, like if he really wants to be active, you really want that accrued season, you could probably move the roster around and try to keep him. But I, I think I don't think he'll get picked up. No offense to him. I just think there's a lot of kind of backup quarterbacks around. And there is this kind of <clears throat> like, a, I don't know what the word is. It's not confirmation bias, but it's like, but yeah, proximity bias. bias. Like I know my third string quarterback. I know he knows the offense really well. I like these things about him, and I don't know, you know, Jake Fromm, for example. And so I think there is a tendency around the league to keep keep the devil you know, as opposed to the devil you don't. And that's not always the best policy. But in my experience, like I've seen that happen, not necessarily with quarterbacks, but oftentimes with like running backs and receivers, and they go out and sign somebody else as opposed to keeping the guy. And more times than not, honestly, in my 10-year career, the guy that they brought in from a different team gets cut like within the week and they re-sign the guy that was here during training camp because they kind of know the system. They know what's going on. So I, I do think there's a yeah proximity bias uh, with the quarterback thing. And, you know, like I said, it's not the end-all be-all. Like they can find ways to keep him if they really, really want to keep him. And if you do leave, like that's where the scouting department has to kind of make their money, right? Who's available? Who's like, like last year, I think a great example is like John Ridgeway. They able to get John Ridgeway when yep. they're trying to um, when Dallas is trying to bump him to practice squad, and and you get a really good football player. And I think that if you if your scouting department's up, your pro your pro personnel department's up and ready to go, like you can find guys around the league. Like Colt McCoy just got cut, like and he's got practice squad eligibility under the new system. So if you want to bring him in, right. like go for it. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's and you know he you know at that point in his career, which I think is this is year what is that year twelve for him? You know you want to kind of um, you know, he's got to, he's going to pick a spot he wants to go to, but that is an option now for you to kind of say, Hey, this veteran just got cut. Let's bring him on practice squad. And I, so there's, there's other options basically. Totally. Right. Which would be a kind of funny, funny bit. I like, honestly, for week one, I would bring in Colt and be like, tell us everything yeah. about their offense. Like, you know, yeah. you might as well. Um, he's basically like a coach. Um, he was their one quarterback all spring long. So, and I'm sure Colt would love to be like, I hate you right now. That's such a, such a um, weird move by them, but yeah. Yeah, we might we might talk about that a little bit later in the show, depending on our time. But I think that, you know, the, the proximity bias is one thing, but there's also just the, the reality of the decisions that have been made over time, right? Teams pick their players in the spring. They don't yeah. pick their players mm -hmm. in the fall. And so they decided in the spring, not just they, the commanders, they, every NFL team, that these are the guys that we think are worthy of our 90-man roster. They then invest all spring long, all the meetings, all the OTAs, all the time on the field, all summer long, all training camp, all those meetings, all the time on the field into those players. They would like to keep them around. And so for equal talent levels, and whether that talent level is kind of freakish athlete like a Kaz Allen or someone like Jake Fromm, who's like limited but fine as an NFL potential. quarterback. Uh, he definitely showed some, some potential right. and great. Yeah, 100%. There's, but there's, from a talent standpoint, there's a lot of Jake Fromm's around. There's actually more than you'd think Kaz Allen's yeah. around. But the difference is in Washington, Jake Fromm knows Washington's yeah. system. And if you're anywhere else, he doesn't know your system. So signing him is probably not worth it. Now, there are teams that definitely need quarterbacks. Um, New England is down to one. They cut Bailey Zappi. They cut Malik Cunningham. Um, and so they literally only have Mac, uh, Jones. Mac Jones on the roster. So like they're going to sign someone, but you Colt also McCoy. think about like system familiarity. <laughs> Maybe, I yeah. mean, Colt would make a lot of sense there. 
um, as a kind of a veteran to be sure. in Max ear and be like, Hey dude, this is how business gets done in the league. Um, but you know, if you're Washington and all of a sudden you need one, like you look at who Kansas city cut, um, you look at who, uh, I just actually looked at Jacksonville and it's some guy I've never heard of, but like you look at the places that run they're off the Andy Reed tree that run your system, run your stuff. Maybe even someone who's passed through sure. Kansas city yeah, in the yeah. past. And that's that's probably the play. But there's other. I mean, there's Will Greer that's out there. You know, there's there's a bunch of dudes out there um, that have some level of talent that if you want to bring them in, you could. But at the end of the day, like the point, the 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 big point for anyone freaking out about Jake Fromm is, even if they lose him, it's not the end of yeah. the world. Not even close. It's not even that much of a, a needle mover. And two, they should very very likely be able to so let's double back. click on that real quick i know a lot of fans are like oh he's not a needle mover i can hear them freaking out he, or i can see them freaking out in the comments already like jake Fromm did a really good job in training camp he did some really good things he also did some things that are very uh, indicative of his inexperience in the nfl right and he's not ready i don't think even to be a, a full-time backup just yet like he's still working towards that is he very talented yes does he have that gamer kind of moxie that this city loves yeah, like, is he like a little bit more talented version from a physical tool standpoint than Taylor Heineke? Yeah, but he's not there yet. And so I think that's exactly what you have the practice squad. You got a guy here who knows your system, who in a pinch maybe could come in and do a third, you know, fourth quarter drive, whatever you need to do. Like, that's what he's here for. But I think it's it's important to know that he's not quite ready yet, you know? And like, I think that's that's like yeah. who he is. And that's not a that's not a knock on him. He did everything you want him to do. He had a great... He had a great preseason training camp. Well, that whole cycle was great for him, but he's not there yet. And hopefully with a year on practice squad, staying in the system, learning the system some more, he, he gets there and you develop a talent and you have a guy that you feel really, really good about. And next year, maybe it's, you don't need to re-sign Jacoby Brissett. You have Jake Fromm or, or whatever right. it is. I, I'm not exactly sure. I think that's yeah. the goal, right? The goal is you have a good season. Sam's your starter and Fromm's yeah. the backup for a long time. And, you know, he can be a viable backup because he'll have known the system. And, and no, the Heineke comparison, I think, is interesting because, you know, it's like, oh, he's better than Heineke and Heineke won all these games. Like, no, his physical right. tools are better. But Taylor had been in Scott's system for so long that he could do, you know, he maximized himself uh, in that system. Fromm has not been in this system very long uh, because no one has here in Washington. So I, I think that over time, if he really gets to know the system like the back of his hand, he could develop into a backup level quarterback um all right that's probably enough time on well i mean people want to know we gotta uh, give people what they want yeah people want to know now you know now you know and by the way i didn't know if i was gonna say this but i'm just i'm just gonna say it if you want to know whose football opinion that is worth listening to or not find the people that think that jake Fromm is currently better than jacoby Brissett and unfollow them <laughs> that is that is just a public service announcement from your friendly uh podcast yeah. and radio host all right uh Moving on, running back, uh, as we just kind of yeah. go down the list here. Not a lot to talk about. Three guys that we anticipated. The interesting thing, if you will, is that Jonathan Williams gets IR'd. Yeah. So we had we should have mentioned Derek Gore as a potential practice squad mm -hmm. guy. Uh, it looks like he is going to yeah. go that direction. Um, what do you make of Gore over Patterson as the practice squad running back? Because that is honestly the only thing that is even remotely not self-explanatory. Yeah, I think the thing that was interesting about it was when I saw the cuts and I saw how they, they kind of timed them out. I was like, man, we forgot to mention Gore. And, and Gore should have been our obvious choice after Jonathan Williams, I think. I think Jonathan Williams had a better training camp preseason, did a really nice job. But Gore knows the system. He's explosive. He kind of fits all the criteria. He, EB, 
he knows what EB wants and there's, there's value there. You know, he's played NFL football. He's, he's played at football in Kansas city. He knows this offense. Like that's, that's worth a lot in my opinion. And for a guy who actually had a pretty good cycle once he got here, you know, everyone saw him in the last game, breaking off those long runs. He's got a physical running style. He's quick, he catches the football. Well, like, why not? You know what I'm saying? And, and I, yeah, I think he's played a little teams yeah. as well, which is, I think is the separator between him and Patterson on top of the the system. Yeah. Coach. And I think, um, you know, Patterson, I, I like Patterson. I think Patterson had a good, good off season too, but there is something to be said, you know, it's like any, any job. Like if I know you and we're boys and I know we can work together really well, like I'm more likely to employ you or, or work with you or bring you in for the job. And I think, um, you know, Patterson's a great guy, you know, like I've talked to him a little bit. He's like, his story's awesome. He's a good football player. He's going to be on a team, a practice squad at some point this year. Um, but I think the, the Gore connection to EB like is probably the, the, the defining factor, even more than teams. Like it's just, he knows him. He played well. He looked in good shape. He did everything he needed to do. So, you know, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, this guy played in 11 games in 2021. So he's got that NFL experience, which is, which is helpful. Um, all right. Tight end. This is, this is probably the biggest shocker to me on the roster too. is Curtis Hodges makes it. Um, Hodges just frankly did not produce in camp, but as I've thought about it over the last couple of days, results, not there. Like for sure. He dropped too many balls. Like it, his, his statistical production, not very good. How did he progress though? From like a route running blocking the things that that we are going to have a harder time seeing just watching a, a preseason game how did he progress there enough so that they thought this was well good? i think when you look back to last year he's come light <clears throat> he's come light years you know he's in like in a totally different ballpark and so um i think he's good he's good in line he's not great in line he's good in line and i think that's something you can win with especially when john bates is your only true like blocking why i think he's probably I'd say the second best blocker in the room. So there's value there. And I still look at how he runs routes, man. I'm like, man, for a guy who's that big, for him, like every, you know, I think you made the Samis Reyes comparison um, on the last show. Yeah. And to me, it's not even in the same sphere because he's so fluid. He understands leverages and coverages. He's got this really nice suddenness that you wish kind of Samis had as a basketball player. So for me, I think he's actually. He does some really, really good stuff. He does. Like when you see his like his good stuff, it's amazing. The problem is that he just didn't like we talked about this a lot with him and with a lot of the guys, a lot of the young receivers too. Kaz Allen, same thing, is you want to see a certain kind of consistency and a certain kind of finish, you know, especially in the passing game and the run game as well. I will say in the in the third preseason game, I thought I saw a little bit of, of that finish in him. I thought I saw him running the ball a little bit more. He's around, like, you know, like one of the things I like to do is like when the camera is zooming in on the ball carrier, like who's in the vicinity, you know? And so you get a lot of Ricky Stromberg, you get a lot of, um, you know, whoever it is in there. Bryson Tremaine's a guy who likes to finish like that. And all, all of a sudden, like Curtis Hodges is in the shot. I thought he's, he's pushing himself a little bit. And so maybe that's what they needed to see from him. But I really, when I look at him, like he's a guy that, I, again, the reason he makes the roster, in my opinion, is again because I think he's progressed as a blocker. He's your second best blocker. Blah 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 blah. But I, he could be great, and that's the thing that I keep coming back to him is like there's a lot of guys like Dylan had a really good training camp, really really good, but he's he is who he is, much like myself. Like his ceiling is his floor is not very low. Is his floor is not very low, but his ceiling is not very high. Curtis, his ceiling is like a top five player in the NFL. Like that's what his ceiling is. 
Now, is he going to get there? I have no idea. He's got to figure it out. But I don't want that guy just on the street for anybody to come grab. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to is his 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 ceiling is such that it's worth this little bit of progression you've seen from him. It's worth getting him on the 53, I would say. Yeah, that's um, I think that's a difference in a lot of the guys that get cut in a guy like Hodges is if you cut a borderline player, most of the time that player like maybe he shows up and he's a starter somewhere else. and You're like, man, yeah. good for him. Very rarely is a guy who gets cut going to turn into a potential top five tight end in the league. And, you know, I, I think that there is like a consistency to great players that I would say it's very unlikely he reaches that. No, no I, 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 I like agree. Super I but just to even have that possibility um, is yeah. tantalizing. And he didn't practice last year because he and I are the whole year. Um, so Ron said, like, we look at him as a rookie, as a developmental project. So we want to, you know, we want to get him that practice time and ultimately play time. I do think there's concern about Logan Thomas for sure yeah. from an injury standpoint, whether it's this injury or whatever could potentially come next. But I, I think that, you know, that potential is, is the difference for sure in him getting on the team. Um, and he can give you something right now. Um, but we'll see. Um, I, I just, it, it's one of those that. I, they also didn't have another option if they wanted to keep a fourth oh, tight end. I mean, so Dylan, that's, right? you know, Dylan, Dylan's oh, is hurt. He? He's on IR. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he got, he got oh. IR'd. So, you know, whether that's a, Hey man, we look, we want to keep you around for next year. You're going to have a job in the spring. Yeah. Um, you cool with this, you know, whatever that conversation is actually um, I take, not, I take that back to add on to that though. I think there's a chance he shows up somewhere else this year because he was a guy that was mentioned as potentially getting an injury oh. settlement. So he might get waived and uh, ultimately be allowed to go pursue another job, but he'll, he does get IR'd um, initially. So, you know, they, if they needed the depth, that's the kind of thing where, you know, when they talk about the fluidity of the roster, could they go get someone yeah. else? Um, I think that's also possible depending on what they need right now. I also wonder too, they cut Arma, which we thought could right. happen. We talked about the exact situation that's happening happening on the last pod where Arma gets cut. They're going to bring him back. Do you let the initial wave of signings happen and kind of this chaos leading up to noon today and the, the waiver wire deadline? Practice squads get filled, and then you cut Hodges in favor of Arma and hope that that sneakily allows him to get back to practice squad. I don't know if that actually yeah. works, but it seems like it's on. Yeah, the I, th I think that, you know, part of me is like, just cut him. If that's the plan, just cut him with everybody else. Hopefully he like, you know, gets lost in the sauce a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But again, I don't, I don't want him going someplace else. You know, as much as I was frustrated with his production this off season, like he's gotten better. Like I've, I've raved about his route running. The finish has to be better, but like, I, there's very few guys you get in free agency. Like, and that's why it's so weird to be here with this team. You have Armani Rogers, who obviously is injured, who again has that skill set, and then Curtis Hodges. And it's like, how did you find both of these guys in addition to drafting Cole Turner, who's probably going to play a ton of minutes for you this year? Like, they are really, really lucky. And I think they're doing a good job of kind of saying, we know what we have here. We know we kind of hit the lottery. How do we maintain this while these guys develop? And if they do come around, like we're going to be sitting pretty, you know, we're going to have something that nobody else in the NFL has is three young dudes who can all play, all catch the ball, all block well. And that is just something that I think as a, as a coach is very, very tantalizing. So I think they're going to do whatever they can to keep them around. Like to your point, is this kind of a way to get past that initial cuts, put them in a good spot. 
perhaps I don't know, but I think um, again, to me, it's his his talent is his potential is what keeps him in the building, and I do think he's improved right. in some of those areas that maybe we can't see as as red, like reticently, you know, like his his run blocking's gotten a lot yeah. better, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and by the way, if you catch wide or if you drop wide open passes, at least you got yeah. wide open, so the route running uh, is there. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, so that's that's tight end. Offensive line. They go nine. Larson doesn't ultimately make it. He'll be back, they are though. going to bring yeah. him back. Um I just, which, you know, fine. I the one thing that I think is interesting, um, which I guess we'll get to slash we can just get to it right now, is like, where's the other roster spot yeah. though? Because we all we all anticipate Big Phil coming back. But if Arma's gonna come back and Larson's gonna come back, who's the other guy that's getting like is Logan Thomas not yeah. close to coming back? Uh, I don't think so. He's been running around and, and starting to mix his way back into team stuff. Um, and then the other one is Chase. Um, he seems to be uh, even more likely. Danny Johnson is another guy that that maybe they could IR short term um, at defensive back. Um, but yeah, man, it's I don't. It's just a weird thing that we're speculating on. I don't think it's even worth actually, now that I think about it, for the podcast, spending too much time speculating because we might know by right. the time the podcast comes out. Um, but what did you make of the initial decision, I guess, for nine on the offensive? I was a little surprised because I thought, you know, there was a pretty strong indication from guys like Kime, who is, is really dialed in, that there was going to be 10. And so I was like, well, you know, Larson's going to make it. But obviously, I think you know, like this is one of those like roster tomfoolery situations. You've got two really, really talented young guys that you like a lot. One's Curtis Hodges, one's Tinsley. And you say, how do we make that happen? You know, Braden Daniels goes to IR. That is bad for Braden Daniels. You know, you, you don't want guys getting hurt or whatever, but that allows you to keep Scott, who we both were kind of talking about as the guy you want to keep. And I think he's probably a little bit more valuable because he's got that tackle ability and i think tackles are harder to find in the nfl and who's the guy you got to get to you get to cut it's it's larson and so as i we've talked about larson we think he's tremendously valuable but i think he's tremendously valuable to this organization because they see him every day he's coming off a bad injury you know like i don't think teams know how how he's been performing in practice on the day-to-day so uh, you know, it's a it's 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 a little surprising, but ultimately, like that's what I wanted to do, right? Or we wanted to do. We wanted to say keep nine, keep an extra receiver, and do that. And I think that's um that's kind of so I, I agree with this, but I think to your point, like getting him back up is going to be really interesting. And maybe it's like 
Um, it's like Scott and him are both like swing and it's kind of depending on the week who's up, who's not. And you're bumping guys up and down to practice squad like that. I don't know because I think Scott, because he's a rookie, he doesn't, his contract's not guaranteed day one. I think that's a thing. So like when I was playing, if you were a veteran, like if you had, if you had over uh, four accrued seasons and you got signed to an opening day uh, roster, your contract's guaranteed. So Larson would fit in that category and Scott would not. So maybe there's a there's some kind of economic math there happening where we can flip these guys back and forth over the course of the season. I don't know. That's all speculation, obviously. But I think that's ultimately nine, I think, is the right thing to do, especially with Ricky Stromberg playing guard as well as he was. And I think you're in a pretty good yeah. spot. You know, like now it's just, I think to your point, it's like now who who's shifting? Like how do you shift these guys up and down and not lose people you want to keep? Right. Um, also, if I'm Trent Scott, I'm still nervous about the fluidity comments. Um, he was good. Yeah. Um, he deserves to be like I talk about this with we'll talk about it with Milne in a second. Like all they can do right now is pick the best 53 from the guys they had. They, you pick 53 yeah. of 90. You can't pick from other teams yet. When that becomes an option, then you can make different decisions. And so for Trent Scott is if there's another tackle that becomes available, that they like do they go out and and snatch that guy up and Scott winds up either practice squad or, or going to another team uh, in the future. We'll see. But uh, he, he winds up making it, which I think is smart just from a, like a roster construction standpoint, but we'll see uh, ultimately how they, they get Larson back on the team, which brings us to wide receiver to close out the offense. And I mean, congrats, congrats, babe. He deserves it. And uh, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that I love to see. I love to see meritocracy. I think it's the best thing about training camp is when you see a guy who just consistently shows up and makes plays and just forces his way onto yeah. the roster. And that's what Tinsley did. He forced his way on because he was good basically every single yeah. day. And what his role is going to be, I have no idea. He might not even be active on game days. Um, but he deserves to be on the team, and so he's on the team. Good for, good for him and good for them. Yeah, you know, and he's a guy that um... – yeah, just like has been a consistent player and the coaches speak very, very highly of him. And I think you're seeing that come to fruition a little bit here, you know, because of how he's produced, especially in the last game. Um, but yeah, like what is his role going to be? I have no idea. Like right now, to me, he's like, he's Dax Milne, like light. And I think you hope that he can develop into more than Dax at some point. Um, but I think, um, you know, like when you talk about special teams, special teams coaches, eyes light up about him. I haven't seen that from him. You know, like there's certain guys you watch, like, for example, in the joint practice, like Bryson Tremaine, I'm only bringing them up because like they're both rookies. They both do the same stuff. Like in terms of team's value, Bryson Tremaine is an animal. You know what I'm saying? He's a big physical dude. He's like in the in the double vice drill. He absolutely smoked one of the vice guys in the Baltimore practice, like knocked him to the ground type of stuff. Like he's just got a different physicality to him. Tremaine, that's not his cup of tea. Maybe you feel like he can return punts for you at some point. I know when I was watching film of him after they signed him, he was in an all-star game and returned punts in the all-star game. Now, the thing that I would just say, like, hold up, wait a minute, is because, like, he didn't get any reps doing that in the preseason. And I would have right. liked to see that if that's something that you're planning on doing. Because I do think he's got some, like, in watching those, it was five returns, so not a lot of returns. But he has some ability to do that. So, like, why not, if you if this was in the cards – why not give it a look? I would be my question to that, you know, cause like right now, like I don't see how he's active on game day. I think Pringle's active. I think Dax is active cause he's going to return punts for you. And I don't really understand. Like, it feels like a missed opportunity a little bit, you know, if this was what the way you wanted to go, like just to see how he looks. Cause I know he does it in practice. I've seen him do it at practice. So why not just see him do it 
live and in living color, like, you know, for a quarter or, or whatever. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So just a kind of a weird, yeah. that, I'm not being critical of the staff. I know there's a million other variables that go into making this decision. He deserves to make the team, but I just would like to know if he could do it, I think would be my, my one, my one comment on that. For sure. Uh, he did return punts in college, barely. He returned five as a freshman at Western Kentucky, and then he transferred to Penn State. Um, he didn't return any his second year at Western Kentucky, and then his last year in school at Penn State, he returned four. Uh, he has a total of nine career returns for 10 total yeah. yards. So not exact. For those for those that Math. like uh, Dax, Mills, Dax Mills punt return stats, let me, let me introduce you to Mitch right. Tinsley's college stats they look extraordinary but in the uh, but in, in the um, all-star game i think he had like a 25 yard you know what i mean like it's he's got there's something yeah. there but it's all about i would have liked to see him just and, do it in the preseason <laughs> like if if this was if yeah and that's the thing usually coaches are pretty good about getting a bead for the roster and like where it's at and being like this guy has a shot so let's get him an opportunity at the stuff we want to see him do and so the fact he didn't get it makes me think that they don't want him to do that and if that's the case then how do you contribute on teams? Like, are you, you know, usually uh, receivers, if you're going to contribute on punt, you're a gunner, right? He didn't do it really any of that, or he wasn't very good at it, you know, and that's fine. He's not a huge body guy who's going to cover kicks. Yeah. And your gunners yeah. are set. Like it just, Holmes and it's, it's just interesting, guys. like how he, how he contributes and maybe they don't plan on him contributing, but again, congrats to him as a receiver. He definitely deserved it. Definitely did a great job. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm just curious. It'd be curious to kind of keep an eye on that and his development, his role within in, in the team. Let me ask you this: if, Is there one of the receiver spots that you trust him over Milne right now, where you would be like, "Oh, hey, we need someone to go in at X, at Z, at Zebra"? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think Dax is is pretty good. Like, I think when you look at his training camp at F, he's probably or Zebra for them is what they call it. Um, he did a great job. I think he could play. That's yeah. the slot for those not uh, not familiar with the yeah. two. Right. <laughs> and then uh, I think he could play Z. I guess maybe he's got some X qualities. I didn't see it. You know, I didn't see that like X receiver guy. Like in terms of skill sets, I think you'd probably put Jahan there maybe before. Um, you know, and like traditionally the body type is like Bryson Tremaine, like that 6'5 freak that's going to stand. And he, yeah. and he plays X. Right, but he's not ready to be on the on the roster yet. So I'm not saying they should have done that. But I, to me, they him and Dax are very very similar, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that flexibility and that route running nuance just says, hey, like you know, you can play, you can really play any of the spots because your route running nuance is so high, and you're a smart guy, and you know multiple spots. And you know, we talk about position flex a lot with the O line, but for those backup receivers, like the dude that's going to play first usually knows a ton of spots, like. So, you know, Diami's probably more of an outside guy, which means Dax is going to play a lot of inside. But, you know, if something happens to Diami, I trust Dax and Tinsley, for that matter, to be able to step in at any of the spots. Yeah. And so maybe that's kind of what you're looking at there is you just get two dudes who are just really good receivers, sure-handed, and kind of get the the finer points of route running. And we've talked about how, like, Jahan has excelled in this offense because he's such an excellent route runner. These guys are very much in, in that mold, you know, Dax and, and Tinsley. They're very much in the mold of they're not like, height, weight, speed guys, they're like, you know, kind of, um, you know, they're like six foot, they're like 200 ish pounds, yeah. but they're, yeah, they're very, very technically sound. And so that allows you to do multiple things. I also think they're pretty tough guys, you know, and like when you're playing that and you got to come in, like you mentioned this before, like when you're the fifth receiver, sixth receiver, you can't be beneath like going to put your face on a safety. And I think both those guys are willing to do that. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's how Camp Sims made his living for a long time. By the way, Camp Sims cut by the Raiders, oh, wow. surprisingly, so he's available. Um, but, you know, Ryan Grant, yeah. forever, when he was here, everyone couldn't stand him as a receiver, and he always seemed to be one yard short of a first down. But he'd go dig out a safety, and that, that gets you a long way with the coaches, which is why Jay loved him. So, uh, yeah, that's that's that part of it. I would say for the punt return part, I do think they were they, – like, they wanted the Kaz Allen thing to work right. so bad. And up until the final game, it looks like it was. Like, if Kaz has a good final game, I think I he's think so on too. this team, whether it's over Dax or over Tinsley, I don't know. But they like they wanted to give him every opportunity and figured it would work out. It doesn't. It backfires. Now, all of a sudden, you have a guy in Tinsley who you didn't give those opportunities. And it's just, them's the break sometimes. The reps, there's only a certain number of them. It's a finite number. And um, you, you you do your best, and sometimes you... Uh, it doesn't really. That's actually out. a really good point. Um, I think. All right. Yeah, I never. I didn't really think about that. Like you're, you're trying to make it go for a guy who's very talented, and then it doesn't. I mean, in some ways, it's like the Ron's comments on how yeah. right is like you know. Oh, we. I wish we would have played him. Well, there wasn't the opportunity yeah. to. Like in hindsight, it's really easy to be like, yeah, definitely shouldn't have played Carson yeah. in that game, or maybe we should have just sacrificed the season on some level. But when you're in the middle of a playoff push, you're not going to put yeah. a rookie out there. And so, you know, I think the the circumstances of the wide receiver competition were Kaz got hot in the middle of yeah. camp. It looked like he was going to That's make the point. team. There was no reason to take away those opportunities from him. And all of a sudden, he bombs the final preseason game. And you're like, oh, crap. Now he's not making the team. And we never got Tinsley any and, and to be And to be fair so, to the, the, the staff... It was that game, and then also in the Baltimore practice, it wasn't super sharp for him, you know. So I think it was kind of a, yeah. it was kind of a combination of like, hey, trending up really hard, kind of plateaued, and then it looked like he was regressing a little bit. So I, I think that's a, I think that's really good analysis for sure. Yeah. So you know, could they have said like, hey, maybe we should as a backup plan give Tinsley some rest, but there's only so many and, reps. And you want to see, and like what uh, Tana says this all the time is like, when, with a punt returner, I want to see him catch punts, and if you think Kaz is the guy. Yeah, that's exactly right. Get him out there, get him catching as many punts as you can and see if it goes. And so obviously it didn't happen the way they wanted to. He'll be around. Obviously I think he's on practice squad for sure, but, and we'll know for sure by yeah, the time this I comes out. Surprised. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if he's not, um, you know, obviously he could get picked up somewhere else, but they, they definitely want to bring him back and, you know, by week six, week seven in the season, could he have caught enough punts that they feel comfortable with it in practice that they elevate him to the active roster? Sure. Yeah. Um, or if Dax, you know, God forbid, we always talk about Dax being sure-handed. I'm like, oh man, if if he ever drops <laughs> a punt, our my Twitter mentions and our comments are going to be eight. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. If you're not subscribed, what are you waiting for? Uh, it's football season. Let's go. Get on it. Uh, subscribe wherever you are watching or listening right now. Uh, all right, Logan, the defense. This one's this is pretty yeah. straightforward. Um, the 11 D linemen, check. Got yeah. them all. Uh, no surprises. Four linebackers, check. check. Got them all. No surprises. Same thing with the 10 DBs. What is there anything though that you're kind of looking for now that you think is interesting in terms of the rotation, in terms of you know, obviously we think Big Phil is headed for short term IR. Like what is what do they do in yeah. that spot? Like what are the interesting things to kind of look at from the way this roster is constructed? Yeah, I just think probably for the defensive line who's gonna be active on game day. Right now it looks like it's probably gonna be Andre over KJ. 
And then if, if Phil is hurt and he goes to IR, is Abdullah Anderson up on the 53 or Benny Potuaye up, you know, for the for week one against Arizona? I think both those guys are really good football players. I, th- I think, you know, like they've had really good camps and I'd be happy for them to get that opportunity. Um, also, I think the rotation is kind of interesting because you have, you know, such great depth on the edge and that's great. You know, that's what you want. Um, but you know, what do you do on the interior? How much, um, interior line does James play or does FA play like, that'll be kind of interesting to see that utilization package. Um, and then, you know, Chase's health, I think is the other one that's really interesting to me because this, whatever's going on seems to be lingering a little bit. He's got, you know, 10 days or whatever it is to get, to get, to get it worked out, which is a long time in, in football injury land. So hopefully it gets worked out, but hopefully that, that all resolves and you get a very nice rotation with Chase Montez, Casey and James. But if not, I think you feel pretty good about Casey and James coming in and playing good football for you because they have a track, a track and FA. I keep forgetting FA, but those three guys have a track record of playing good football for this team. And, you know, the defense has been very successful when they're in. So I think ultimately if if, if there is an issue long-term with Chase, I think you feel very good about those, those back three guys, you know, making plays for you and, and executing the defense. And it'll just be interesting to see, how they use those young guys, I think. You know, how much does Dre actually play, or is he just a team's guy to start? So, in terms of storylines, those are kind of some stuff I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, I, I think that's super interesting of, like, does Andre Jones get on the field? Um, right. Because I think you saw in that third preseason game the difference of, like, James Casey F.A. versus an Andre Jones. Um, I mean, it's, like, James' ability to push the pocket and to, like, string out run plays, like the power he plays with. I think showed up a couple times in that game. You see Casey's, you know, ability to get around the corner and the pursuit speed and the intelligence that he plays with, um, you know, always being in the right spot. And then F.A., like, I think F.A. is one of the most interesting guys to talk about on this D-line group because James was the starter most of last year. Um, He was the guy that that got the most reps and and was the starter. But by the end of the year, it kind of feels like F.A. might have been the best of the three. And certainly the way it played out this spring and into the summer, I feel like he had the best offseason to the point that, you know, when I in in a tweet uh, the other day on on cutdown day was like, you know, thank God they're not cutting any of these guys, you know, to cut James or Casey or F.A. would be silly because they're borderline starters. Uh, and I was quote tweeting John. And so Kime tweets back. He's like, one note, F.A. was never on the block. Like it was never the three of them. Yeah. It was the two of them. Yeah. To, so I think it's interesting how F.A. separated himself and like ultimately to see what that means once we get into the season. I think it makes a lot of sense because when you look at F.A. and you watch practice and you watch the preseason, F.A. Rush, rushing from that three-technique spot is dangerous, man. Like, he is excellent doing that. Like, I remember the first probably six practices. Like, he was going up against, uh, you know, whoever it was, um, Charles and Paul and Cosme even. And he's so quick and he understands. He's, and he's got a nice physicality to how he plays. I think he's like 285 pounds. He's a yeah. big man. And again, he's not great against the run in there. But like having a guy you can rush from the three technique is a huge deal. And you're always looking for that that edge rusher that can transition inside and do it. You know, they tried it with Chase when he was a rookie, like just trying to find ways to they get tried it with Chase that. earlier in camp and then yeah. Chase got hurt. And, you know, so that could still be on the table. Sure. But I think that's that's to me the thing that separates uh, F.A. from James and Casey. And then when you watch him rush the edge, he's got this kind of he's not an elite pass rusher, but he has elite power to his rush. And when you're and when you're looking at pass rushes, you're like, what do you do really, really well? Which was one of the reasons it was nice to see Casey kind of come alive a little bit in that last game because he's so quick, he's so explosive. You know, he's like when you look at his RAS score compared to the other D lineman, 
it's like second only to chase to uh, Montez, excuse me, which is crazy. But so it was nice to see him kind of come alive a little bit and see some of that, uh, that athleticism and that confidence in the rush. Cause you say, okay, you know, if he gets some opportunities, he can create some pressure, create some quarterback hits and James, you know, I, I got to give James a shout out. The power that he plays with is, is elite, you know, but it's not quite as explosive as let's say FA. So I think he, that's that. And you got to see all those guys, FA rushing inside, you know, winning rushes on the inside was great. Casey's explosiveness on the edge, James's power. Like you have to see them all kind of do what they're going to do. But I think the thing that separates them right now is that James or FA is just a better, more consistent pass rusher in terms of winning. So, um, and that can change obviously, but I think that's why he was kind of established as that definitively third guy because of that inside outside ability. Yeah, no, definitely. And then, the, you know, the chase thing is worth monitoring. Um, Ron said, the other day like we're not going to talk about that you know we're, we're going forward right now with the guys that we have and you know talk just wanted to talk about practice and you know we just want to talk about the game on on saturday when he was asked about it and it just seems like there's a lot of tension there it seems like there's stuff going on um which unfortunately has kind of been the story of chase the last two years um yeah. where there was frustration with the knee and they thought he was going to be back maybe even to start the season. Then it became very clear. No, and he doesn't come back till November, December. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's always, it's always longer, more prolonged and more frustrating and more dramatic than it, it feels like it needs to be. I don't know whose fault that is. I do not know enough. I don't want to speculate. Right. Is it bad communication between Chase, the doctors, Ron? Like, is it Ron just like wishing too much? Like, I don't, I have no idea why there is this consternation around it but it definitely seems like again with an injury to chase young there is you know there is consternation around it and so sure. we'll see if he's ready for week one um linebacker situation they keep four pretty straightforward the four we expected Dejon harris uh is probably going to be on practice squad um and as a guy that you could definitely call up and play teams um but i i think the interesting thing for me at linebacker Logan, I mentioned this on my first and 10 on the radio show the other day, and I'm curious to run this by you real quick. I'm not entirely convinced after the way that Barton played in the spring and summer that Jamin at the mic and Kalik out there with him isn't the best linebacker combination for this team. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we've talked about a little bit off air, you know, is just like, is that the way you want to go? And I don't know. I think you pay, you know, Cody's the free agent. He's the, And I, I think Cody's very, very talented. But, you know, when you talk – about Kalik, when you watch Kalik, when he plays, it's, it kind of since the Dallas game, he's flashed, you know, he looks good. So I think they're going to let that, it could be like, uh, um, what it was, uh, William, William Jackson, the third, it could be kind of like that. Like he comes in, he's not where they want him to be. And then slowly they kind of start splitting reps and Kalik gets to play more and more and Jamin's playing the mic. And I think that would be that that's not outside the realm of possibility. I think they're going to do everything they can to get Cody to go. I think when you see him, he's big, he's physical, he's talented, right? Um, but ultimately, it's going to come down to play. It's the same thing with with um, with William Jackson III, right? He was big, physical, talented, but the defense just never clicked for him. And I, I think Cody's a different type of person than that. I think he's a little bit more competitive at this point in his career. He wants to see it go, um, but like, I'm not. I think that's entirely possible. And you know, Mayo always finds ways to play for this team on defense you know because yeah. he knows what to do he's physical versus the run you know he's a little bit of liability in the past game but like at least he gets he, he knows what's happening and I, and I will say coaching high school football like i want the dude who knows like there's guys that are way more talented but 
they don't know what the heck's going on. Like you're not going to play because I, I can't trust you to do the simple things. And I think that's one of the things about Mayo and Kalik is they've been in this defense for a long time. And it seems to have clicked for Kalik. Mayo's been super consistent this whole time being here. And it's clicked for Jamin. So hopefully Cody comes on sooner rather than later. And this isn't an issue. But if it kind of lingers into week, you know, four or five, like I, I could see them kind of saying, hey, we need to make a switch. And I think that's entirely plausible. Yeah. All right. Defensive backs. I think it's going to, again, interesting on the roles um, yeah. here. Like how much does Butler get on the field? What do they do with Quan? Do they start to narrow his role? And, and that allows him to be more successful. Um, and then I think this is also a spot to watch one of the short-term IR guys and Danny Johnson. He's been out there running around uh, on the side fields and everything. And, and the vibes have been very different, let's say on Danny than they have been on chase when Ron sure. gets asked about it. But like you can go out and run around with a shoulder injury. The question is, can you tackle? And yeah. so that is a, a spot to watch. They also kept three or not kept. They, they have three guys that I think are, you know, quote unquote eligible as, as we're saying it for the practice squad. Um, three guys that they cut on, what was it, Tuesday, where Ron said, like, these are the guys that we cut on Tuesday that we are going to try to bring back. Whiteside, uh, Whitaker, and then Wild Goose. So mm. if your cornerback yeah. with the, the name starts with W, You're congratulations, in. you might you might be on the practice squad. I feel like keeping all three would be silly, but two of the three seems likely. How about Whitaker, man? Holy cow. Late signing, comes out yeah. in balls, does what he's supposed to do. Good for him. And then you mentioned Whiteside. Like he's been awesome kind of since day one. And then Wild Goose in the slot has been awesome, but outside has been a little bit up and down. So I think all those guys deserve to be back. And, you know, like you said, maybe it's a little bit silly. But I think I think with Tinsley making the roster, think about it. You're only keeping two probably practice squad wide receivers. I think that's Tremaine I mean, and Allen. The only, the only guy that they – oh, yeah, no, though, Allen, this is alphabetical order, not positional order. All the cornerbacks are just looped together because they literally all start with W. Yeah. Um, looking at this list. But, yeah, no, I, I think that you keep Allen and then you keep Tremaine for sure. Yeah. Um, and then with, like, the whole line, we were keeping – we kept four – but I think they're just going to keep three. I think it's Jones, Smith, Brooks, and Laufenberg. I think Montero, because he was an early cut, may not come back. You know, he yeah. might, but I think those, that, that's three. And so you can keep an extra DB now because the uh, the allocation of resources is shifting. Well, then you got the safeties. You've got Terrell Burgess and Kendall Smith are both on that list as well. Yeah. So of the five, like, I feel like of those five, you keep four. And the question is, which four do you keep? Yeah, I mean, we don't want to speculate too much because, like, they're going to yeah. know when this podcast comes out. But I do think are that's we going to be point. correct? Here's our speculation. <laughs> yeah, here's the speculation. You can let us know. Um, I, I think you want to keep a young guy and keep an old guy at safety. I really do. And I think because of the eleven defensive linemen on the active roster, I don't think you have to do anything crazy because, like, you don't have to keep an extra edge on practice squad. They're both on the active roster. They're Andre Jones and KJ Henry. Casey Tool, James Smith Williams, those are your practice squad guys, right? So, you know, Benny and and uh, Abdullah, like they'll be there. Great. Yep. And then I think that extra that that William uh, Bradley King spot maybe goes to Kendall Smith or whoever. And I think yeah. you can make that work. And because there's some young talent there, I know they're very high on him. So that makes sense to me. That that you could keep all five of those guys potentially and have a pretty stocked room, especially like when you look at like where the value is in terms of roster construction now. It's at, you know, offensive line. They're going to keep three. I'd say receiver. They have two young guys who I think are very talented that we're both very high on. And then you say it's DB. And so let's keep a bunch of DBs because Wild Goose, he played last year. He got bumped up a couple times, especially given Kendall's injury history, especially given Benjamin St. Juice injury history, especially given uh, Cam Crow's injury history. Like 
let's keep some guys around that we trust to play some football. Because again, this is like your active, not active group. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, two of those three guys, two of those five guys are going to play a lot of football for you. And the rest of them are kind of developmental pieces, I think. Right. No. And that's, that's the mix of the practice squad, right? The mix of the practice squad is you want some guys that are developmental projects and some guys that are basically extensions of your 53 guys that, you know, you can call up at all times. And so they've got a good mix of that, uh, potentially available. There were 20 guys that got cut, um, on Tuesday of that 16 will be back on the practice squad. Theoretically, they obviously could also go other directions. Uh, if they, there's a guy elsewhere that they can convince to come to their practice squad that they like. Um, but you also have on that tw- list of 22 guys in Larson and, um, Arma. and Arma who are going to get re-signed. So it's really, how do you get that 18 to 16? And I think William Bradley King could be one of them. And then if you go four of the five DBs, that's your, it's kind of your list. So, uh, we'll see. All right. Uh, that's, that's 45 minutes of football talking, Logan. There we, we go. did it again. We did it again. Who would have um, next week we'll get you ready for Arizona. How about that? Uh, them apples? probably have a podcast out for you Tuesday morning. Um, obviously Monday is the holiday. So, uh, we'll see if we can record something before that, perhaps, perhaps a mailbag. So if you made it this far, Submit your mailbag questions. Uh, you can do it via the comments section at 1067 The Fam, where you subscribed on YouTube. Yes, you subscribe. Hit the button. Hit the button. Subscribe there right you now. Uh, you can also tweet me at Craig Hoffman. You can shoot Logan a message on Instagram at Logan underscore Paulson82. So we'll dive into a mailbag uh, and then get you ready for Arizona next week. Uh, hope, I, got, I got a couple things cooking on, on who might join us, so I think we're going to have a guest uh, for at least one of the shows next week as well. Of course, take five on the off days, and then we're in our regular season rhythm. So after the game on Sunday, we will be doing our uh, post-game pod and then tape review and then preview and rinse repeat for the rest of the season. Uh, That's Logan. I'm Craig. We'll see you next time on Take Command. Thanks for watching this clip of Take Command. First, why don't you you like it? It lets other people know that it was good, and then they should watch it too. And Logan, we have a new exclusive home for full episodes. We do. 106.7 The Fans YouTube page. Go check it out and please subscribe. Yeah, do do what Logan said. Do it. Very, very smart. (laughs) 